This is TCE number 17, Catholics and Weapons. TCE stands for Theology and Current Events. Hello, my name is Father David Nix. This is the Padre Peregrino podcast. So TCE, that is my new Friday series that will be added on any Friday that I have a topic and time to record after my hermit prayers. Realize TCE could also stand for Technocratic Communism Evaluation, since that's what most of these will deal with. What does that have to do with the Catholic priest? You've heard me say a thousand times. Marxism, Our Lady of Fatima, this is what we're facing. Now these TCEs will be put on Fridays when I have time early in the week, but usually they won't be as long as today's. They're going to be a little bit shorter, but there's a lot to say today because there's two topics that we're going to cover today on the Second Amendment. One is, was it permitted to kill animals with weapons in the Bible? And two, should Catholics hand over firearms to a modern government demanding them? Sure, most of you know my answer to these by now, but if you want better explanations to give to your secular friends, keep listening. So let's look first at killing and eating animals in sacred scripture. Of course, God created Adam and Eve 6,000 years ago. And no, I don't believe that's prehistory. I believe that's literally history, since this is what every Catholic believed before the year 1900, including the church fathers. The very first chapter of the Bible reads, And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And so it was so. That's Genesis chapter 1, verses 29 to 30. So notice that only plants, not animals, are given to man for food before the fall. Let me say that again. Only plants, not animals, are what man and woman are supposed to eat in the garden before the fall. Why? I don't know exactly why. I didn't look in the church fathers, but I think of this. This is just a biological fact. You know, plants spread through their seed being scattered in scat, but an animal doesn't benefit by being eaten especially since ecosystems were in balance without predators before the fall. And of course, remember, this is before the flood. So this is before the fall and before the flood. By the way, there's uh, two terms you can find in not only theological dictionaries, but regular Webster's dictionaries for those two terms. Prelapsarian means before the fall, and antediluvian means before the flood. So just uh, some fun to bring to parties there. Catholic party fun if you want those. But even after the fall and after the flood, there seems to be new rules. Listen to Genesis 9. This is after the flood, and it's what God says to Noah. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed." For God made man in his own image. That's Genesis chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Now, real quick, this isn't today's topic, but this is one of the proofs that we have in the Catholic Church for the magisterium for 1900 years, why the death penalty was not only permitted, but prescribed by God. 
Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. Some of you say, well, that was the Old Testament, not the New, Te- not the New Testament. Sorry, that was in the New Testament too. That's Romans chapter 13. So Thomas Aquinas, New Testament, Old Testament, all of them reveal that God's own divine revelation promotes the death penalty. But that's not the topic today. The verse I want to hone in on here is Genesis 9, verses 3 and 4. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Again, that's Genesis chapter 9, verses 3 to 4. So what God is saying in this post-Diluvian scene after the flood, he says, you can consume meat but not blood. Of course, anybody who knows the basics of the Bible knows that this is very much like the laws we're going to see in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. In other words, yes, you can have kosher animals, but there's a big no to both non-kosher animals and, of course, no blood can be consumed by the Jews. This is pre-tribe of Judah, of course. Um, They can eat animals. And so can all the tribes of Judah eat animals as long as they're not those on the no-kosher list. So, in other words, eating and killing animals um, was not permitted in the garden, but eating and killing animals is permitted after the flood. And this is probably one reason why many of the church fathers were vegetarians. Now let's fast forward to the New Testament. Well, in the New Testament, we see that not only can the apostles eat kosher animals, but now non-kosher animals are on the menu. Listen to Acts of the Apostles about St. Peter, Acts chapter 10. When St. Peter became hungry and wanted something to eat, but while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. Again, that's Acts chapter 10. But in any case, Peter taught all the Christians you can eat all animals based on his experience in Acts 10, which came directly from God. However, the tradition passed on by the church fathers specifically on St. Peter was that after this, he lived his whole life on bread and olives in penance for both denying Jesus and fasting for the growth of the church. I got this from Father Lapide, who got all of his stuff from the church fathers. So you might say, well, no, that's contradictory. Peter's told to kill and eat all these animals in Acts 10, but then you're telling me your Catholic tradition is he lived on bread and olives? Well, it's an easy explanation. It's just that just because meat is permitted doesn't mean it's necessary, especially to someone who wants to go deep in the prayer life. And this is why all the church fathers were vegetarian, because they understood a life of fasting is going to bring them deeper into prayer. Some people are called that, not all. And that's the law of freedom that we find in the New Testament, that it's done through love more than law, at least on the the points that used to be the mitzvot, not the commandments. The commandments of the Old Testament are doubly binding for those of the New Testament. Anyway, the point of all this is that weapons are permitted for hunting animals in the Old Testament and the New Testament, whether that be by God's original plan or a post-lapsarian, post-Diluvian concessionary plan. Anyway, the one thing we can all agree on, my concessionary plan theories aside, is that Old Testament and New Testament allows for religious people to kill and eat animals with weapons. In fact, doing that out in the wild is a lot more kind to animals than being in the stockyards. So, in short, we need weapons to hunt animals. I personally believe that's just to eat them, which is why I'm not a big fan of trophy hunting. That's doing it just for sport, not for food, but that's just me. 
So you can disagree with me on that and probably agree on the Second Amendment stuff. So let's move on to the next big question I pledged today. Should you hand over your firearms to a modern government demanding them? Now, every time there's a mass shooting, the mainstream media tells us this is because of high-power assault weapons. They often call Armalite weapons assault rifles, misnomer right there. But really what they're getting at is the average citizen should not have rifles. Now, that's an implication not only of gun control by the government, but that the Second Amendment needs to be repealed. Joe Biden said something recently. Quick clip for you here. But no amendment, no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. You can't yell crowd, you can't yell fire in a crowded movie theater. We call a freedom of speech. Now that clip didn't sound too extreme, but the only thing you really need to remember from that is no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. That was Joe Biden, no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. You see, the problem is that just like Roe versus Wade, and I'm not saying gun control is anywhere close to the slaughter of the innocents we've seen in Roe versus Wade, but we always see the left using a little tiny hoof through the door to get the full horns of Satan through the door. And of course, for Roe versus Wade, that was safe, rare, and legal. For the Second Amendment, we hear, okay, this isn't going to be all weapons taken away, but just remember, no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. Well, what is Joe Biden referring to? He's referring to the Second Amendment. Now, remember, the U.S. government did not give its citizens the right to bear arms as they came off of these ships and stuff like that. That was assumed status quo as already quite nearly a human right, uh, since humans need weapons to, to hunt animals for their families, as we just proved in, um, in Scripture. So the founding fathers of this country, they thought that was a given. Now, and this is why this is important. Many of you know this. The Second Amendment reads, quote, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, end quote. So again, notice right there, the rights of the citizens, even a militia, to bear arms shall not be infringed upon by the state. That's the Second Amendment. It's not giving you rights to have guns. It's saying the state shall not infringe upon that. That's the Second Amendment. Uh, but if the state took away the right to bear arms, who would obey it? Here's the meat and potatoes of what I want to present today. Most of you know this, but I'm going to give this in a very juvenile little description of three circles. And this is where we have to look very soberly at the practical side of things and what happened to millions of Catholics and Eastern Orthodox and Eastern Bloc countries in the 20th century when the government came to claim the weapons of, the, of its citizens. You see, there are three types of people owning weapons. The first is law-abiding citizens. If you're watching the YouTube, it's at the top. Secondly, criminals. And thirdly, military and law enforcement. These are the three types of people that we can categorize as those who own weapons. Now, if the First Amendment were revoked, who are the only people who would be expected, that's the operative word, expected to follow this order? The first, only law-abiding citizens would be expected to follow the repeal of the Second Amendment. So scratch out that first circle. Now, of course, you can't regulate criminals having guns. That's obvious. Already, you can't own a firearm in this country if you have a felony offense. And yet, of course, we all know, Democrats and Republicans alike, we all know many felons own firearms. So, of course, they wouldn't hand over a weapon if the Second Amendment was revoked. How about the military and law enforcement? Now, even Joe Biden and Kamala Harris want a heavily armed military defending the White House. Look at how they sent 30,000 National Guard troops for their communist coup earlier this year in the stolen election to Washington, D.C. That's more troops than they had in Iraq and Afghanistan. 
The point is that if you get rid of the Second Amendment, only criminals and military will retain weapons. Let me say that again. If you get rid of the Second Amendment, because only law-abiding citizens are expected to hand over their guns, only criminals and the military will retain weapons. The NRA has had that bumper sticker out for many years that said, if you outlaw guns, only outlaws will have guns. found that kind of corny 20 years ago. Now that I'm a believer in the Second Amendment, I very much understand that's a historical fact, not just a pithy or glib bumper sticker. Is this an exaggeration? No, it's intended in any overturning the Second Amendment to give the government unchecked control of weapons. Proof of this is just look at any Eastern country in the 20th century that fell under communism, or including Germany that fell under Nazism. The very first thing that happened before any genocide was the disarmament of its citizens. They always promise, and the promise is always the same. We'll protect you so you don't need your guns. Uh-huh. So anybody who says there should be laws to reduce the amount of guns in the hands of Americans need to realize that practically, yeah, we all understand there's a theoretical world, but practically, we the government want to take guns from law-abiding citizens, but we fully realize criminals and the military and law enforcement will retain both their small arms and large arms. Now, if there's people out there who, when I say criminals, think of certain races, I bet it's the liberals. And here's why. A picture went viral among Second Amendment folks last year of an African-American family standing in the doorway of their nice home with military-style rifles. Conservatives loved it, and I'm sure liberals were confused why conservatives thought it was so cool for blacks to have high-power weapons. The answer is simple. Conservatives who hold to the Second Amendment believe guns should be used to defend your home against criminals whether those homeowners are any color. And people of many races in this country believe that an overreaching military of any political stripe, fascist or communist, is bad, and you have to defend your homes against it. So this isn't a matter of race. This is a matter of who believes in the foundations of this country and the directives of scripture that allow you to have weapons. In fact, I was taught how to fire high-powered weapons by an African-American man and his son and their friend who was born in South America. No, it wasn't David Gray, even though he's a great guy, too. Often, liberals are concerned with race when they have no friends of any other race, only targets of their superior acting charity, that which Michael Knowles calls the soft bigotry of low expectations. But these are good friends of mine, and these are men of different races who taught me how to handle high-power weapons. And men of different races don't care what color you are, but what you are made of on the inside, and if they can trust you next to them in a foxhole, with a weapon, in the battlefield, and kneeling next to each other in a church. These guys of different races taught me how to fire rifles in a controlled environment in a forest in the Midwest. All three prefer weapons in the hands of law-abiding citizens like themselves, not felons, and not a government with major overreach. This is all regardless of race. And no, I do not, as a hermit, have any high-powered weapons. I just learned how to shoot them. Yeah, sorry if that B-roll scandalizes you when you expect clerics to act like softies. But remember, 9 out of 10 regimes that killed millions of people in the past 100 years were communists, not fascists. Yeah, the fascists killed 10 million last century, but the communists killed over 100 million. That's 14 times what fascists did, what Nazis did. So that is why conservatives of any color are very wary of big government wanting to take our weapons because they usually take them to kill us. 
So we've covered criminals, but what's the problem with having the military have long-range rifles, but not normal citizens having those? Honestly, my mind was changed on gun rights only seven years ago reading a Catholic novel. It was a book by Michael O'Brien called Island of the World. Island of the World is a book about how the communists took over Croatia. The Russian communists took over Croatia in the 20th century. It's the story of a young Catholic family separated and how a town is destroyed and eventually a country is destroyed. The hero of the book, Josip, is just 12 at the beginning. He sees the military come in and kill his best friend, a young girl. Now, as you know, communists, just like Tito in Croatia in the 1980s, but the book takes place a little bit before then, all the way through Tito in Croatia in the 80s, you have to remember all communist regimes killed, again, 100 million people in the 20th century. That's 14 times what the Nazis did. But both Nazis and communists, their first goal is to disarm their citizens. Back to the book. Josip later gets sent to a communist con concentration camp. It's called a gulag, and he loses his faith. Well, the rest of the book is a very painful but slow return to the Catholic faith. Now, the author of this book, Michael O'Brien, by the way, he's not a traditional Latin mass Catholic, at least not to my knowledge. He's published by Ignatius Press, not Angelus Press. And I like both of those, but Ignatius Press is not a traditionalist press. So this isn't some gun rights activist. He's just kind of a quiet prophet who lives in Canada. But Michael O'Brien shows in this book, and this is what opened my eyes even before I was a traditionalist, or apostolic Catholic, as I said I'm going to say now. Michael O'Brien shows in this book that every communist regime that took the lives of their own citizens in the 20th century began with the de-arming of their own citizens. Here's a quote from Island of the World. Maybe partisans won't let them, Peter says, staring out across the valley. They kill all people, Josip muses. Why do they kill people so much? I don't know, Peter says, staring at his feet dangling over the edge. They are angry. Fra Antonio says we must not do what they do. He's right, but when they try to shoot you, what can you do? You shoot back. Josip absorbs this. We have no guns. The Italians and Home Guard took away all the guns in the village on the day they first came to Rasha It is no longer possible to protect the flocks from wolves or to hunt deer in the mountains. My father has a gun, Peter says. Don't tell. I won't. So that line again, the Italians and Home Guard took away all the guns in the village on the first day they came to Rasha That's the first thing they do. And at the end of this book, O'Brien explains this book was not actually fiction, but historical fiction. The point is, these were all great pious Catholics, or many of them were in Croatia, but very few Catholics resisted Tito's regime and the regime before Tito, who was also communist, as they all came to take their weapons in this communist coup. Now, people will say, ah, oh, but we're talking the United States versus Croatia 50 years ago. Well, look, if you've read even one single book on communism in the 20th century, you will know we are in the middle of a communist coup right now. I'm not exaggerating. There are dozens of proofs of this looking at history, but I'll give you two. Even though there's many proofs, I'll give you two right now. The first of my two proofs is this. Remember my three circles that I put up on the screen before? In the stages of a communist coup, the very first stage is the government maneuvers the military to protect the criminals. Has this happened in the United States? Of course it has. Now, of course, the mainstream media got all jumpy about the Capitol riot, what they called the Capitol riot. Kind of ironic, the only people killed were Trump supporters, I think three or four of them. But then how many liberal riots took place in 2020? Hundreds. Hundreds of riots from people like Black Lives Matter and Antifa took place 
in what the mainstream media, as you all know, call mostly peaceful protesters. But if you look in the 20th century, communists align the military with criminals before they come to disarm the law-abiding citizens, many or most of whom are conservative Christians in the past hundred years. And of course, those criminals end up getting trashed too eventually, but not at the initial stages of communism. Second proof I got for you is that there are now non-voluntary government confinement facilities for COVID patients in Canada. I guess we could say COVID patients or COVID recoverers or COVID asymptomatic carriers who are non-compliant, whatever. The key words in everything I just said right there is non-compliant. If you are non-compliant, they will take your freedom. And that must begin with your firearms so you don't fight back. So the big question is, should you hand over your firearms to a modern government demanding them? The answer for Catholics is no, because you will be complicit in a genocide of millions of people, just like what we saw in the communist countries and in Nazi Germany. And that would be immoral. That would be immoral to play into that. Again, if you doubt that, read the very first things Hitler did and the very first thing all these leaders did. Look at Mao, Pol Pot, all these guys, Tito, as I mentioned. But this time, keep in mind, it's health communism, not economic communism. Now, of course, don't go shoot anybody. That should go without saying, but in a legalistic world, a priest making a video on the morality, the moral theology of the Second Amendment, I have to say that. Do not go shoot anybody. All I'm saying is that you are scripturally justified and also justified in church history and American history, and especially recent church history in the Eastern Bloc countries. You are justified to keep your weapons in your homes, locked, safe, secured from children, and hidden, very hidden, as the government is now making it clear they want your weapons. As Biden himself said, no amendment is absolute, and he was talking about the Second Amendment. So they're coming for the weapons of those who are non-compliant. And one step ahead of the Democrats in the U.S. is, of course, Canada, as I said, who has quarantine facilities for the non-compliant with these coronavirus regulations. Those are called gulags in the 20th century. I don't know what they're going to call them in the 21st century, but in the 20th century, they're called gulags. Now, if you think this sounds like chicken littles falling from the sky, just go do one hour of study how communists worked in the 20th century, and you will see we are less than a year away from that happening in the United States, especially for those who will not take the blessed inoculation against a flu with a 99.92% survival rate. It's clearly by this point not about the virus, which, yes, is real. Just saw someone very sick from coronavirus in the hospital last week. But it is not dangerous unless you are old or obese. And since when do Democrats care about those who are old and obese? Never. And also speaking of Canada, coronavirus, and racism, I just heard on Dave Rubin's podcast, they are prioritizing blacks for the coronavirus vaccine in Canada. Tuskegee 2.0, anybody? Okay, remember, America's founding fathers all the way through President Reagan held that if this country collapses, it will be from within, never from without. If this country collapses, it will be from within, not from without. And I add, if you read what Hitler or Stalin or Tito or Pol Pot or Mao did in the 20th century, it must begin with the disarmament of its citizens. Okay, so let's wrap this up. My reminder to you is just to study communism in the 20th century, study what the founding fathers of this country said, study what President Reagan said, that if this country fails, it will be from within. If this country collapses, it will be from within. 
And why, if we line up all these, what the Founding Fathers warned against, all the communist regimes and Nazism in the 20th century with the words of President Reagan, there is one narrative running through all these warnings, and it's this, that we will collapse only if we trade our liberty for security. And we're now apparently willing to trade health security for all of our freedoms. And these violations of freedom will begin with guns, especially for non-compliant Christians living under this health communism. And this is why I'm making this video, to show you that you're not immoral for refusing that. Of course, I'm not telling anyone to go use violence. All I'm saying is you have a right from Scripture that comes from God to take care of your families. And then as Americans, and this does come from the government, or at least the protection of these freedoms, First, Second, and Fourth Amendment that are now being trampled upon, we have a right to these as Americans. So, of the three circles I drew for those to whom weapons are usually held, which of those three that I drew, law-abiding citizens, non-law-abiding citizens, and the military forces, which of those three is the category most worthy and most moral and most safe for maintaining personal weapons? It's not the criminals in this country. It's not the military controlled by an unelected president but the law-abiding citizens who have the most rights to weapons. And this is exactly the group of people that the founding fathers of this country wanted armed. God bless you.